Today on Sagittarian Matters, chocolate nachos, soy curls, yelling at children, recipes, ranting, raving, advice on family, and more. With your host, Nicole J. Georges. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters, Sagittarian Matters, what's the Hello from Los Angeles. Producer Ponyo and I are back in the Sagittarian Matters California studio after being in Oregon for a couple of weeks. And we are quite happy to be back because part of my reason for being in Oregon was to teach at a middle school. I've been teaching there for nine years. It's the last middle school of my teaching career that I would ever allow myself to go to because the kids are usually so good. But there were some tween boys who were testing me. And so I performed a magic trick. Um, One day in class, they were fooling around, causing a ruckus. You know, teaching is a little bit like giving a really long performance, like a six-hour long performance, but you have hecklers every 30 seconds. And you're not allowed to use curse words. So, you know, I'm like two hours in to my six-hour my six hour thing, you know, it's six different classes and these boys cannot let me get a word in edgewise. And so I just lost it. I snapped. I had one of those mommy dearest moments. You may remember from middle school where your teacher yelled at everybody and you just, I mean, me as a kid, I just wanted to be invisible and die. I was like, why did they make the teacher mad? I can't believe it. These kids were not like that, but everybody froze. They're like, "Uh Oh, mom's mad. And I said, I, in the nine years I've been coming to this school, I have never, I have never experienced this level of foolishness when I was trying to do a simple task. Okay, I feel the magic trick is this. The minute that I used the word foolishness to describe their behavior, I turned instantly from someone in their mid-30s to somebody in her mid hundreds or 90s, my late 90s. All of a sudden, I could just feel, I'm just like, okay, and the trick is complete. I am no longer someone who they can think is ambiguously in her 20s. Um, Definitely, for sure, I have turned a thousand years old in this moment. It reminds me of when I was in middle school. My friend and I would steal money out of her parents' underwear drawer, probably their life savings. We were taking like $3 at a time in quarters. We would walk to Kmart and just buy like, I don't even like makeup, like wet and wild makeup, toner, candy, stupid stuff. Her grandma caught us one time and she said, I can't believe you're frittering away your money down there at Kmart. And we laughed so much at the word frittering and the idea that she just didn't get it, what we were doing. And this was me. I was that old lady. I was like, you're frittering away your time with me. I'm a cartoonist. I came here all the way from Los Angeles. They, they, they couldn't care less. Anyway, I had a great time at the school. Other kids cared, but um, I did turn into an old woman before their eyes in a very uncool way. Not in like a groovy old woman way, in um, the most fussy, fussy way possible. Okay, other things I want to talk about before I get to your advice. Drag race. I don't even know who I'm rooting for anymore. For the majority of the season, I have been really enjoying Miss Vanjie and Silky Nutmeg Ganache. Though truly, Silky, I would not want to be stuck in a car with for a month if we were on tour together. I think she would grate on me after 
you know, hour one. However, as a performer, she's a delight. I love watching her. I love her being on the show. And I've been listening to a Drag Race podcast. And on the Drag Race podcast I've been listening to with Willem in Alaska, um, they said they don't think Drag Race is going to let Silky Nutmeg Ganache win because she has such a big personality. They want to be able to bring her back for all stars. I never thought about producers gaming the system that way. So if somebody's personality is too big, they don't want to let go of the entertainment value of that, so they're not going to let them win. Interesting. Okay, in other news, I saw Bikini Kill. I you know, went directly from my like, foolishness, children, to getting on a plane and getting to the Bikini Kill mosh pit in LA. Did I say mosh pit? I did. Have I been in a anything that one could approximate as a mosh pit in the past 20 years? I have not. I want to say one more thing about the word foolishness. I'm used to cursing a lot because I hang out with adults. I wanted to say, hey kids, this is bullshit when I was in that classroom. You can't say that because those kids are going to tell their parents. Their parents are going to tell the principal. I'm going to get in trouble. Also, it's inappropriate. You got to use child, child-friendly child language. So in my head, I had to do the quick math of like, I want to say I've never experienced this level of bullshit but instead, I had to find the synonym that was appropriate and foolishness or shenanigans would be another thing that I would say to them. Anyway, okay, I went directly from the classroom to the mosh pit. It was really fun. And I think that we can all remember why I don't go to big shows anymore, which is that I want to get in fights with people. We don't all know that. You don't all know that. But I don't go to big shows because ultimately some tall man will stand in front of me and I'll feel enraged and that will overshadow the band. This famously happened and the precedent was sent when I went to see Neutral Milk Hotel or Jeff Mangum do a revival tour of Neutral Milk Hotel. It was at the Crystal Ballroom in Portland, Oregon. I got there 400 hours early, as I am wont to do. I stood on a bench um, so that I could see. I had that spot for literally two and a half hours with some bros standing in front of me. It was fine. At the last minute, some babes, there was bros and babes, they ran, these girls ran up and were like, ah, can we stand here? And they flirted with the guys. So then they wedged in front of me and this girl was grind dancing to neutral milk hotel on this tiny bench, standing like grinding her butt into me while I, I wanted to say like, this song's about Anne Frank. I'll, I can barely remember the show. All I can remember is the feeling of feeling so mad at that girl. And thus, listeners, I don't go to big shows very much. But Bikini Kill was worth it. I basically muttered, girls to the front, girls to the front, excuse me, girls to the front, and wove my way through um, until I was in in a pit of people moshing. People were stage diving and crowds people were crowd surfing this girl was like somebody put me up somebody put me up but I wasn't gonna put I was like girl we're all like old now I'm gonna throw up my back picking you up or you can I don't want to get kicked in the head by your boot and anyway like I, I never got into crowd surfing not that anybody asked okay that's what I want to tell you before I get into your advice. The last thing I want to say is producer Ponyo is having some eyeball troubles. She is on a regimen that includes like five different eye drops, five different medications. Every day is a wonderland. Um, but she's doing okay. She can see out of one eyeball. The other eyeball is doing its best. Um, she now has some tiny tennis balls with bells in them. But I wanted to take a minute to say thank you to everyone who has expressed concern And thank you extra to everyone who is in Ponyo's Friend Club on Patreon. 
If you want to check it out, it's patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. That is where you can support my art, the podcast, and producer Ponyo's ongoing eyeball health. Ponyo will send you a button, a zine, and eventually, when we get to laminating, a membership card. So check that out, and thank you very much. And now, on to your advice about food. Dear Nicole, what is the best way to do vegan nachos? Oh my God. I mean, I'm going to tell you what I think is for real the best way, which is going to be different than the nachos you bring to a potluck, I think. My favorite chips are Hava chips, which you can get in the grocery store. But also, if you can find chips that someone has fried themselves that are super thick and salty and crunchy, sometimes Whole Foods will fry their own chips and they'll be like this. Ooh, those are my favorites. Those are my favorites. That, that's your base layer. Okay, those are the base chips. Friend to the show, Morgan, loves Juanita's chips. So if you need to just get like a giant bag of them because you're going to a party, get some Juanita's chips. Um, I also have loved, remember in the 90s, Sesame Blues? Remember those? I really liked those. That's a different twist. That's a sesame twist. But I'm just saying like, what if we brought those back? Okay. So you have your base layer of chips. Juanitos is probably really good if you're melting a bunch of stuff on top of them. But I'm saying like if I'm at home and I want to eat some kimchi and avocado on a chip, I'm going to use a habit chip. If I am going to have a smorgasbord with some delicious hot mama salsa from Portland, Oregon, I'm going to get some homemade chips either from the hot mama people at the farmer's market or wherever I can find homemade chips. This is what Porque Noah is good for in Portland, Oregon. They have their own delicious salty chips. For some reason, La Bonita has the worst chips, even though I love them so much. I love La Bonita's chimichangas. Um, I love their burritos. I love everything they have there except for their chips. Okay, that's not what you asked. We're talking about nachos. For me, I'm going to go one of two ways. I'm going to go sweet and I'm going to go savory. Don't hang up the phone. Don't turn off the podcast. Don't turn the dial. I want to tell you about something called chachos. Chachos, chocolate nachos. You know, you melt some chocolate chips with some creamer or some soy milk or whatever. You know, you stir, stir, stir so it's melted, not burned. You pour it over your bed of chips. You put it in the fridge if you want so it hardens on the chips. Or you keep it out and you eat it hot. I love a chacho. I also love a choco tot. That would be your your dipping sauce of chocolate and your salty tater tots. You dip them in there. You're going to be surprised. You're shaking your head right now. You're making a face. Do not knock it until you try it, okay? You, I had you, you've, I've gotten you into eating prunes. Trust me. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever said that sentence before. Look, I told you prunes were good and they were, so just trust me on this chocolate taco, chacho, choco tot thing. Okay, that's my... That's my first idea for you. My second idea is this. I would make a nutritional yeast cheese sauce. Um, That's what I would want to pour over a bunch of nachos. Or if you want to get gross, you could just get some Daya shreds. Daya? I don't Whatever. Daya shreds, um, which are like $4. Just throw it in the oven. Let it melt on there. 
there you go. But I would personally, if I was like going whole hog, like if somebody I was in love with was obsessed with nachos and I was trying to make a nacho date, I would make my own cheese sauce. I would soak some cashews, get some cashews from Trader Joe's, wherever, soak them overnight, blend them up with some garlic powder, nutritional yeast, lemon juice, uh, maybe a tiny bit of mustard, some soy sauce, stir that around, see what that tastes like to you. Um, that's kind of the base of that. If you want to get fancy, you can add some roasted red peppers in there. You could add a little bit of roasted butternut squash in there, mix it up, add some sriracha or some red pepper flakes and uh, voila, you basically have the makings of a really delicious sauce. That's what I would put on there. I also would personally put canned jalapenos. I would put chopped onions. I would put cilantro or chopped green onions and then pico de gallo. You got a nacho. Baby, you got a stew going. Okay. That was Nicole's nacho talk. Second thing, dear Nicole, can you recommend a good soy curls recipe? I bought them, but I don't know how to cook them. From Hambivalent. Okay, dear friend, I did actually an entire Instagram story about this because former intern Danette, friend to the show Danette, was at the Sagittarius Matter Studios. I gave her a bag of soy curls as a gift. She said, I tried to use these before, but I thought they were weird. They're so crunchy. Everybody stop. Stop. Pull the car over to the side of the road. Put down what you're doing. Soy curls are not supposed to be crunchy unless you have fried them as such. Soy curls, it's a it's a bag of dehydrated soy product that is like a little curl, okay? Who knows how it only has one ingredient, which is soy, but it it's that. They're dehydrated. You have to rehydrate them, my friends. Read the package rehydrate them. Don't eat them crunchy. That's like eating pasta out of the box raw. Don't do it. I mean, if you're weird and you want to be on my strange addiction, do it. But like, come on, give your colon a break. Okay. I boil water. I put the soy curls in a bowl. Fewer than you think you need because they really expand. I pour the boiling water on the soy curls. I let it sit for 10 minutes. Then I make a marinade. After the 10 minutes and I drain that boiling hot water, I get it like a rich marinade. Let's say, let's go super basic. Let's say you have some soy sauce, you have some maple syrup, you have a little bit of liquid smoke, maybe a dash of apple cider vinegar and a little bit of water. Maybe something spicy if you want or like a Korean barbecue sauce or whatever. You mix that up without the barbecue sauce. It's super thin. You pour a bunch of that on the soy curls, let them soak it up for a second. And then I would steam them in a pan with that that goodness so they kind of soak it up. Then take them out of the pan for a second, wipe the flim flam out of there, add some coconut oil, heat it up, throw them back in there, fry the shit out of them, fry them up and even add some extra stuff then like add some barbecue sauce, add some Korean barbecue sauce, add some hoisin, add some sriracha, whatever you want to do, add that as they're frying or after they're frying and you'll get a nice coat on. Um, But you can kind of brown them up that way and get them as crispy as you want. But they shouldn't be crunchy from the box because you didn't dehydrate them. Um, Anyway, delicious. So delicious. Soy curls. You can do it. They're great in salad rolls. They're great in a bowl with some kale. They're a wonderful treat. And they're so simple. And they have so much protein. And you know how I feel about protein. Protein. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Elizabeth Storms, Anthony Pinto, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Michelle Lemoyne, Mary Pinson, Jill Soloway, and Christy Herod. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, especially producer Chris Sutton, who makes this podcast happen every week, please send $5, $10, $500, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet like the insect, leg like its appendage at gmail. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it too. Don't be scared. That's Ponyo's voice. Okay, before we get to another advice question, I have a little bit of more vegan food news to talk about. One is something I've really been enjoying lately. This is not SpawnCon. It is Cocoyo by GTs. Remember GT are the people that make kombucha or a certain kind of kombucha? Cocoyo is a coconut yogurt, but it's so fermenty and rich in probiotics that it's funky. It's one of those things like kombucha where you open the lid and it almost explodes all over you and it's like a living like you open it up and it's like feed me Simo. like it you can just tell there's a lot going on in there it's so yummy I don't know how to describe the funk it, it's a little sparkly in your mouth it has its own kick it doesn't need a lot with it like if you had that with yogurt it's or with um, like blueberries or some nuts it's almost savory that is how fermented and funky it is so I recommend this. It's Coco Yo by GT's Kombucha. Any kind of super fermented kind of grody coconut yogurt I like. You know, the, there's other ones like Forager that just tastes gentle and kind of like a pudding. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that bites you back. I've really been enjoying it. Okay, a thing I have not been enjoying is vegans, you're going you're gonna to understand what I'm talking about here. It's when you go into an ice cream shop. And you want to know if they have any vegan offerings. You know, it is 2019. This is not so crazy. And the only things they have are like a raspberry sorbet and maybe a like a sad chocolate sorbet. (sighs) I don't want sorbet. If you're not vegan, I'm here to tell you a few things. Number one, thank you for being considerate of us and trying to give us an ice cream treat. But sorbet is not going to cut it. It's not 1994. If it was 1994, I would be so excited for you to offer me sorbet. As a human being living in 2019, it feels like a sad door prize. It sounds like the the least you could do is give me a sorbet. Please no. I used to have a thing against salt and straw. I have those in Portland and in Los Angeles because the only vegan things they used to have all tasted like a bottle of perfume or they were like dandelion root, d- dandelion and lavender husk sorbet. And I was like, no, I don't want that. I'm in an ice cream shop. If I want to eat perfume ice, I know how to find that. I'm here to pay you a trillion dollars for a scoop of something delicious. Now, Salt and Straw's gotten it together. They have a whole coconut situation. Um, Van Leeuwen always has vegan flavors. Magpies in Los Angeles always has new vegan flavors, including oat flavors. There's so many places with vegan ice cream that when I go into a place and they have like one sad mango sorbet, I'm just like, what are you, what are you doing? This isn't a sorbet store also. Anyway, I come from a time when people would ice a bagel and call it a vegan donut. And I would accept that because that was like the year 2000. 
It's 20 years later. I want a real ass vegan donut. I don't want a cake donut. I want an actual donut that tastes like a donut. I don't want a piece of pizza with broccoli on it and like some zucchini and mushrooms sweating through the crust because you were like, oh, they're vegan. I guess they like every vegetable on their pizza. I don't want all that stuff. I want to feel like a human being. I want the same gross food everyone else eats. So that's what I want to tell you. Obviously, I went into an ice cream shop in Highland Park the other day and I saw the acai sorbet and I was like, oh, is that it? Is that the vegan thing? And it was and it made me upset. My next pet peeve, since you're wondering, is this. If you see a vegan eating something, don't ask them if they can eat that. If you see a vegan order something in a restaurant, don't ask them if they can eat that because I bet you they can eat that. And that's why they ordered it or picked it up. Dear Sagittarian Matters, I tried to come out, but my parents said it is a phase. Help! Signed, Troubled in Tucson. Dear Troubled, well, luckily, your parents don't get to decide whether you are whatever you said you were. I don't know if you came out as gay. I don't know if you came out as agender, asexual, trans, queer, bisexual. I don't know what you came out as. I'm going to pretend like you came out as gay just so that I have some kind of example to talk to you about. Um, Luckily, your parents don't get to decide if you're gay. You get to decide that for yourself. And your parents, they they have nothing to do with it. Luckily, you're not trying to date your parents, you know? You're trying to date somebody else. (laughs) I mean, luckily for, I guess, several reasons. But... I want you to know you're not alone, and it was very brave of you to come out. A way you're not alone is this. When I came out to my mom, at the time I came out to her as being gay, uh, you know, now I would adjust that. But when I came out to my mom, she all of a sudden became a lawyer. She pulled out, you know, essentially like an attache case, like like a file on my history, and she was like, you know, exhibit A, didn't you like, if it may please the court, didn't you like making love to your high school boyfriend? <laughs> and I said, mom, that is so gross. I don't want to talk about making love. And she said, what are you, a prude? And I said, order in the court, order in the court, stricken from the record. But all, all that is to say, my mom also um, turned into a lawyer trying to kind of legally argue me out of the thing I was telling her was my truth. Your truth is that you came out to your parents and that's all you have to do. They get to do with that information, whatever they want. I mean, you get to decide how you interact with them after you see how they deal with that information. If they're not giving you respect, if they're not treating the people you date with respect, um, if they are trying to talk you out of it, you can choose to take more space from them. I don't know how old you are because this is just a DM and we don't know each other that well, but, uh, You can take space from them until they buck up because your life, the time in your life is prime real estate and they need to have a certain level of respect and kindness towards you to be in that space. You have limited time on earth. There's plenty of people who can respect you for whatever you came out as and who believe you, who don't make you justify yourself, who can treat you kindly no matter what, aren't trying to argue you out of your own identity. Those people deserve to have the real estate that is your time, that is your life. They deserve to have space in your brain, not people that don't get it. Um, I would give your parents a little while to get with the program, but eventually if you need to have a serious talk with them and say, hey, 
this is my life. I need you guys to just respect it in this way, this way, and this way, or we need to stay away from each other for a while. That's totally fair and reasonable. If your parents cannot call you by the appropriate name, call you by the appropriate pronoun. If your parents cannot respect the people you date, if they cannot, you know, refer to the people you date as that and not just a friend or a pal, it's okay for you to have space from them and be around people that are a little bit more nourishing. I just, you know, they're just your parents from luck of the draw and it is wonderful that they raised you, but as an adult, that doesn't mean you have to hang out with them. And if you decide not to hang out with them, you probably came by that honestly through them acting in a way that wasn't in line with how you choose to be treated as an adult. So that's it. Welcome out and congratulations on taking that very brave step. If you have an advice question for Sagittarian Matters, call or text our advice hotline 971-361-9998. Leave a message. We might answer your question on the air and we promise not to answer the phone. That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank. Dear Sagittarian Matters, my siblings and I grew up middle-ish class with constant financial struggles. My older sister married into social climbing, very wealthy and snobby, a conservative family, and she's very embarrassed of her past. She and her husband are basically conservative liberals and are hyper-focused on class and wealth accumulation. And of course, they have outdated views on gender. They have three little kids that I adore and I want to be involved with, especially because our parents and two other siblings are mostly toxic or mentally ill. My partner and I live in a tiny one-bedroom. We work in education. We have insane student loans. We'll likely never afford a house. We are also artists and have a more punk, anti-capitalist belief system. It is very hard to be around my sister's new life, but we live in a different city. So when I visit, it's to help with the kids, so I'm around them 24-7. I can't pay for a hotel. I quickly start to feel judged, insecure, disgusted, angry, resentful, and also judgmental of her. I end up feeling awful and unhappy for 80% of the visit. Technically, she's not a bad person. She's a good mom. I know visiting family is not a vacation. How do I keep a relationship with her and the kids without losing my mind? Signed, Irritated Sister in Michigan. Dear Irritated Sister, okay, number one, you are only responsible for 50% of this relationship. Whether or not she has kids, whether or not that makes her life harder, at the end of the day, you're only responsible for 50% of any relationship. So if you feel like you're giving more than you're getting back from her, um, that's something to consider and think about. And it's maybe you need to rearrange those scales so that you're giving each other equal things. And that might mean when you loosen your grip on certain relationships in your life that they fade away. But that will leave room for other things that nourish you more to come in. Just saying that, just as a general principle and idea. The other thing I want to say, and you're not going to like this, is maybe you are going to like it. Maybe you're going to love it. Who cares? I don't know. I want to help you, and I want to say, I think you need to ease up some of your judgment on your sister. It sounds like your family was not a picnic to grow up in. It sounds like you had some hardships, some struggles, some feelings Your family probably brought up feelings of scarcity and insecurity in the people who grew up there. And so different people cope with those feelings in different ways. And some people cope with those feelings by trying to, you know, find small communities like queer or punk communities and to be of service and to 
add to a community in that way, which is what it sounds like you're doing because you work in education and you sound like a thoughtful person. But some people deal with those feelings in different ways and they grow up wanting to, you know, accumulate wealth and get into a financially secure space via class jumping or money hoarding or whatever so that they don't have to feel that scarcity or that insecurity or instability anymore. And so, you know, if if that's what she was doing to make herself feel more comfortable, I don't feel like I putting myself in your shoes. I don't feel like I could really judge her for that. I could be like, okay, that's how she's coping with how we grew up. Here's how I'm coping with how we grew up. We chose totally different paths or our brains led us in totally different paths. And one of them isn't better or worse than the other. You're not like righteous and true because you're living this other life. You're just living this other life and it's a great fit for you. And her life is a great fit for her. And you kind of, you know, get to decide if being around her is a fit for you at all. You know, you get to decide like, Ooh, it drives me crazy to be in their house. As much meditation as I can do, as many breaks as I can take, as much of whatever, I'm still going to get irked by being around her husband, who I think is an asshole, or his family, or whatever. And so that house is not a fit for me because it makes me feel bananas. Um, and that's just, that's a different decision. That's more information that you'll gather over time. Um, as far as, so after the judgment thing, you know, I just want to say that I want to say that live and let live. Other people are going to live their lives. They're going to make choices that are going to curl your tail and shock and horrify you, but you have no control over their choices. So the only thing you have control over is how long you choose to dwell on other people's choices. And hopefully not long because you have better things to think about. Honestly. Um, the other thing is you say that you go there and you help with the kids and you cannot afford a hotel. I hear you. I wonder, is it possible to get a hotel even for one night or to visit them less often, but visit them in times when you've saved up so you can get a hotel for one night or a couple nights. Um, is there any other way that you can take a break from them for like a day in between taking care of kids, which is really intense and being around family, which is also really intense because even in the best of circumstances, your sister can trigger back something that relates to your childhood, which sounds like it causes some trouble for you. Um, I'm, you know, I may just be projecting on you because for me, when I see my family, I have to arrange a lot of breaks. We need to stay in separate spaces for the most part. I need to have my own transportation. If I don't, I need to remember that in 2019, we have access to lifts, cabs, Ubers, whatever at all times. So if you're in a car speeding down the highway and you hate what they're saying, you just throw open the door, roll on the highway, uh, you know, do a roll onto the shoulder of the road and uh, call a Lyft or an Uber to get you the fuck out of there. That's a nice thing I try to remember when I'm around my family. Um, so I'm urging you to take breaks. If you can afford to take the break of a hotel every night where you say, good night, everybody, I'm going to go watch the Golden Girls and call my partner. That's the best. But if you can't do that, prearrange with yourself breaks and what you're willing to put up with while you're there and what you're not willing to put up with while you're there. Um, if people start actually dissing your life, you can just walk out of the room or leave. Or you can nod and say, you know, you might be right, which is kind of a therapeutic code word for fuck off, and then just leave the room. You could say, okay, I personally need to adjourn this meeting of the family at 7 p.m. every night and go into my room I'm staying in and call my partner and watch the Golden Girls and pretend like I'm somewhere else. That's what I have to say to you. Um, good luck with your family and... It's so wonderful of you to try and have a connection with your nieces and nephews and, you know, take heart. 
if you get so bugged by your sister and her husband now, know that at some point those kids are going to be old enough to write letters or come visit you or have their own FaceTime conversations with you. And won't that be a gift? So thanks for asking and good luck with your situation. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.